Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. FIFA Fuhrer, why the UK may have just stopped loot box bans. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about gambling. No, not so much about the new casino that Grand Theft Auto V Online just opened, but in fact, real-world gambling, or whether real-world gambling is in fact happening when we're talking about loot boxes and card packs and other monetization strategies that you might see on mobile, sure, or in particular today, we're going to talk about FIFA uh, because we're going to talk about British law. And FIFA was what the BBC article that we're about to read actually pointed out as one of the big culprits behind the schemes that the gambling commission in the UK was otherwise reviewing. Because of course, FIFA even though we're in America and this might not be apparent to us, FIFA is actually EA's cash cow, Electronic Arts' cash cow. This is one of the biggest games in the world, in particular outside of the United States market. And so when we talk about loot boxes, when we talk about card packs, a lot of the time we are actually talking about FIFA, which has as part of its monetization strategy, as part of its real value to Electronic Arts as a corporation, its ultimate team concept, which allows you to collect cards and make a team of superstars, or if you're not paying them or you're not playing that much, not so much superstars, as I found out a couple years back when I was diving into FIFA. But today, the Gambling Commission, in some comments that it was making to another uh, government agency in the United Kingdom, stated unequivocally for right now that FIFA packs and loot boxes are not gambling. And I'm reading from the BBC News article on this subject uh, from today slash yesterday due to the time difference. And this says the UK gambling watchdog has told MPs, that's their uh, house, that's their Congress, that it does not currently oversee the purchase of in-game content like FIFA player packs and video game loot boxes. This is because there is no official way to monetize what is inside them. A prize has to be either money or have monetary value in order for it to fall under gambling legislation. However, there are unauthorized third-party sites which buy and sell in-game content or enable it to be used as virtual currency. So before we get to the quotes from the Gambling Commission, I think we all kind of have an intuitive understanding of what's happening here, right? If you play video games, if you play mobile games, if you play whatever it is that you play and there's something that you can win on a kind of chance basis, you can get that five-star character in that mobile game that you love. Or in the case of FIFA, you can get that five-star midfielder that you were looking for and can really improve your team. And when you go and you get a pack of cards in FIFA or you go and you take a pull for that gotcha character on your, on your mobile device, it's the same kind of concept. You don't know what you're going to get. You might get a bronze character, you might get a half star, whatever it is, whatever the way is that the game is currently showing you whether something is useful or powerful for you, you might get a good one, you might get a bad one. In the terms and conditions of these games, however, they all basically say the same thing. And at the end of this video and podcast, we're going to look 
at what the terms of service for electronic art say on these kinds of things, just so that we can have it uh, as our full understanding. But basically, they all say the same say the same thing, which is that the currency that you use to buy pulls or buy card packs or whatever it is that you're doing, that premium currency, that has no monetary value. Just like you might see on the bottom of a coupon if you're still using coupons or otherwise, this thing that can lower your price or that can be useful to you personally or that you might personally value on a kind of inchoate emotional basis, we are saying for purposes of the law and our contract has no monetary value. And further, when you exchange this virtual currency for a good of some sort, and I believe Electronic Arts, and we'll look at it, it calls them entitlements uh, for virtual assets and the like. When you exchange it for those entitlements, those virtual assets are non-transferable, non-saleable. You can't move them out of your account. And that's how they try to prevent being regulated by government bodies like this. We say, hey, look, we understand inherently that a five-star midfielder is going to help your team more than a one-star midfielder, but you're not allowed to gamble on these games by law, and you're not allowed to otherwise make money off of them by law and by our contract. And so if we outlaw transferability, if we outlaw saleability outside of doing things outside of the terms of our conditions, like selling your entire account, then you can't make money off of these things, which is a little bit different than one of the major players in this environment, which we're going to read about in this article, which is Valve who does allow certain transfers of virtual assets through their Steam interface and is one of the reasons why this has come up in so many countries and so many discussions because of what has been happening with Counter-Strike and their gun lotteries and everything else. That has really brought it to the forefront in some of these legislators' minds, and I think that has continued on through today, which, of course, was exacerbated by Belgium essentially saying that loot boxes are gambling. But the fact that the commission exists and can interpret the laws that have been passed by the various countries' legislatures doesn't mean that the commission itself, or the agency in the case of the United States, can just interpret the words in the statute however they want, even if they identify what they think is a problem. And in this case, as we read in this article, Gambling Commission Program Director Brad Enright admitted that games publisher EA, which sells the football team management game FIFA, team management game is is interesting because you actually formally play it, but that's fine, faced a constant battle against unauthorized secondary markets. There is unquestionably a demand for a secondary market, he said. In FIFA, players can be bought in packs, but their content is only revealed after payment, just like we talked about. The same applies to loot boxes, which contain bonus content, often in the form of character costumes or weapons, such as in Overwatch, which tends to be my go-to example for this. In Overwatch, you get a crate every level, you can buy extra crates, and you don't know what's in there, and a lot of it is not fun and not good. And what you're really looking for are those really fancy skins that make your guy look completely different and that you really enjoy. And so they have a lot of filler in those boxes because they can only give out so much of the stuff that's really, really good. This article goes on to say, Dozens of parents have told the BBC that their children are spending hundreds of pounds on in-game purchases and have criticized the process as a form of gambling as there is an element of chance in the outcome and their children are then tempted to buy again in order to try to get the result that they want. And you can understand this too. Hey, okay, you've got a percentage chance, which is maybe not revealed to you, which is another bit of lack of transparency that maybe could get corrected by good legislation either in the UK or in the USA, but that you want X, Y, or Z. You want to make your Overwatch character look like Santa Claus and you buy 10 boxes to do that. You don't get the Santa Claus. Now you're upset and you want to spend 10 more dollars. And certainly kids, 
perhaps are a little bit more susceptible to this kind of thinking than, than adults, hopefully. That's what we would hope from the maturity of adults rather than children. But when we talk about these things, you heard me talk about it when we were evaluating Senator Hawley's loot box bill, which I will try to remember to link uh, to this video right here or so with a card to that dissection of that bill. Aiming things solely at the children isn't particularly helpful when we're talking about digital purchases, because for the most part, digital purchases should be locked down to credit card payments. And I'm open to having a regulation either in the UK or in the USA that says something along the lines of all this stuff that gets around credit card payments. Uh, including uh, having prepaid cards at your GameStop or being able to trade in value from some other digital thing that you own that you could then spend on what amounts to something that is relatively akin to gambling, that those should be barred, those should be regulated, and you have to have a credit card number on file and you have to be able to use it and authorize it at that point in time. Because ostensibly, under the rules of law, a minor, somebody that's not contractually able to enter into a contract like a debt, that a credit card represents would be prohibited from doing those things without operating in violation of the law. So I think that would be a good enough protection for at least the kind of opening gambit for these kinds of things. Those aren't really discussed. And it always raises the question when you see dozens of parents have told the BBC that their children are spending hundreds of pounds, where are they getting those? Are you saying that they stole your credit card? Because that's a different discussion to have. If you're saying they didn't steal your credit card, you mean that you gave them your, cred your credit card because you weren't able to tell them they couldn't spend hundreds of pounds on FIFA cards. And that's a different conversation to have, both of which maybe are, are good and important conversations for a society to have, but really only kind of highlighted by the existence of FIFA cards and, and loot box packs uh, and not so much uh, caused by them. But that's, again, probably a topic for maybe not even a different virtual legality, but a different video series entirely. When we get right down to it, though, he says, speaking at the Department for Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee, Gambling Commission Chief Executive Neil MacArthur, who's different than the program director, admitted that there were significant concerns around children playing video games in which there were elements of expenditure and chance. However, he added that under current legislation, it did not classify as gambling. There are other examples of things that look and feel like gambling that legislation tells you are not, such as some prize competitions because they have free play or free entry. They are not gambling, but they are a lot like a lottery, he said. And that's really one of the aspects that I wanted to talk to you about today because, again, I'm a Michigan corporate attorney. I write contracts. I write terms and conditions. I help companies get formed and founded and funded. I don't evaluate United Kingdom law very often. Everything you see in this video, like the disclaimer said, should be taken as informational and educational. We're just talking about these things. I have no greater expertise on UK law than you might. But I think it's important to kind of dive in. And when somebody says something like this, that says, hey, it's just not possible under the law as currently written, we have the capability on virtual legality and having read through a lot of statutes in our time to go and look at this. So let's take a look at the Gambling Act of 2005 to actually see why they think they might be prohibited from doing anything about this issue. And I think they're probably somewhat right and somewhat wrong. So first, we're going to look at the overall prohibition, which is about gambling software, which is, I think, where their authority would rest in this particular instance. It says here, a person commits an offense if in the course of a business, he manufactures, supplies, installs, or adapts gambling software unless he acts in accordance with an operating license. In other words, if somebody supplies gambling software, and we're going to have to look at what that term means, 
then if they don't have a license that is granted and regulated by the United Kingdom and by the commission and by all these other authorities and agencies that they might have in place, then they are operating illegally. So if this were deemed to be gambling software, clearly Electronic Arts doesn't have a gaming license in the United Kingdom. It would be an illegal act. They would have to get in compliance. They would have to talk to these people. They would have to do something different. In the act, here are the definitions. It says gambling software means computer software for use in connection with remote gambling, but not in connection with a gaming machine. In other words, they don't want the act to apply to slot machines because they already have stuff that regulates slot machines. So they don't want kind of ambiguities that overlap. And that makes perfect sense. So this is aimed, this particular provision is aimed particularly at internet gambling. Uh, in essence, usually what we're thinking about here is like internet poker rooms and things like that. But if we were to apply FIFA loot boxes, certainly it's internet based. It's all on servers. It's all server fed in terms of your loot tables and things like that. It would fall under this if it actually is gambling. A person does not supply or install gambling software if uh, by reason of the facts that he makes facilitates remote communication or non-remote communication available to another person and the facilities are used to install gambling software. In other words, you're not in violation of this code if you're helping somebody put together a gambling software that's otherwise licensed. So the vendors don't have to have the licenses necessarily, things of that nature. And if you are guilty of this offense, bad things happen to you. Imprisonment, fines, or both. But the, the, the key question here is, is any of this gambling? So we're talking about software. Are we talking about gambling? And the best place to look for that is in the definition of gambling, which for our purposes is short and sweet. Gambling in this act means gaming, betting, and lotteries. In this case, they describe it as participating in a lottery. And thankfully, this is not always the case in the United States statutes. They actually tell us where the sections are, where these definitions are. So there are three basic buckets that you could fall under if you are going to be gambling. And again, this all ties back to gambling software. So we have to be gambling if there's going to be a violation, if, if the gambling commission could do something against Electronic Arts, against FIFA, or against anybody else, against Blizzard and Overwatch and Activision and, and anybody else that you might want to apply this to. So we look first at the first definition, which is gaming. So as we look at the act's language regarding the definition of gaming, we see a few provisions that talk about what it means to be gaming, which of course is the first bucket in which gambling appears, which is what we're really interested in. It says in this act, gaming means playing a game of chance for a prize. So just based on that definition, we've got a couple of elements that we can look for further definition in this act. And this is actually where we're going to see the reasoning behind why the Gambling Commission says they can't regulate loot boxes or FIFA card packs. The first part is game of chance. You have to be playing a game of chance. The second part is you have to be playing that game of chance for a prize. Now, the definition of game of chance says it includes a game that involves both an element of chance and an element of skill, a game that involves an element of chance that can be eliminated by superlative skill, and a game that is presented as involving an element of chance. But, hey, it does not include a sport. Sports gambling is covered elsewhere, and they'll talk about that in another provision. We're really aimed specifically at things you would think of as gambling in a casino context, things that involve mostly chance, some chance, or any little bit of chance. And those are going to be considered games of chance. It says, for the purposes of this act, a person plays a game of chance if he participates in that game of chance whether or not there are other participants in the game, and whether or not a computer generates images or data taken to represent the actions or other participants in the game. Meaning, it doesn't matter if you're doing this solo, if the computer system or if the gaming machine is otherwise simulating a pool of people or just coming up with something that's going to represent your gaming 
winnings, which would, so far, include something like a FIFA pack that you open up and it presents you with the rewards that you're going to get. When we get to the definition of prize, however, is where things become a problem for the Gambling Commission, at least as they interpret this act. It says, in this act prize, which if you recall is a requirement for something to be gaming, in relation to gaming, and except in the context of a gaming machine, again, those are slot machines and things of that nature, means money or money's worth. That is required because the next thing we see is an and, which means both A and B need to be applicable in order for something to be deemed a prize. And B just talks about includes both a prize provided by a person organizing gaming and winnings of money staked. In other words, that return of whatever it is that you gambled or bet. But the first part is where the key is. It means money or money's worth. If you are doing something that otherwise looks like gaming and the gambling commission cannot assert that what you might win as part of that gaming is something that is money, actual cash money, or equivalent to money that can be exchanged for money, money's worth, then what you are doing, no matter how it looks, can't be considered gaming. And that's what we saw when we looked at the article was that the gambling commission was saying, hey, as much as this might look like gambling, it isn't gambling because the FIFA cards that are being distributed in these FIFA packs, whether or not they're a diamond or a platinum or a five star or however they might else describe a good card, whether they're that card or a bad card, the terms and conditions make clear they're non-transferable. You can't do these other things with them and they have no monetary value. And so if that is the case, even though it might have some inherent value to you that you might like to have a diamond player more than a bronze player, it doesn't matter because under the law, you can't exchange it for money. And so it's not gambling under the way the laws are written, which isn't to say you can't watch this episode of virtual legality and say, hey, Rick, that's stupid then. This all looks like gambling and we should have something that says, if there is an inherent better outcome than a worse outcome for you, then if you are being encouraged to engage in this activity to achieve that better outcome rather than that worse outcome, then we as a society should be able to regulate it. That is completely separate from the purpose of this video, which is to say what they're interpreting and what the law currently says, because we've talked about it in virtual legality before, but ostensibly the commissions, the gambling commission here, the federal trade commission in the United States, other agencies, other commissions, ostensibly their job, their purview, their entire authority derives from what the law says. And they are interpreting what those things say, but they can't rewrite them. So as much as they might like to, they generally can't say, well, now the law says this. Instead, they can say what they basically wind up saying in this BBC article, and we're going to go back to it, is saying, hey, the legislator, the legislature has not approved something that is something that we find actionable for this specific issue. But we're going to say these things to the press that says, hey, we think this is an issue. We think this is something that the MPs should cover, that the law should perhaps be revised to address. And here's the reason why they think it isn't covered right now is because they can't show that it means money or money's worth when we're talking about FIFA cards. Now, I think an enterprising attorney or other uh, political activist or someone that really wants to argue this point could say, hey, is the prevalence of a secondary market, whether or not authorized by the original developer of the video game that has these loot boxes and these cards, if a secondary market is allowed to exist by these companies, does that not mean at some level, at some philosophical level, if nothing else, that what we're talking about does have money's worth? If Even if you have to go to a black market, if you have to go through something extra legal in order to get your money out, if you can do that, 
Does that not mean for purposes of this law that the prizes that we're talking about have money's worth? And I think Electronic Arts and Activision and everybody else would argue that it doesn't because those are violations of our contract terms and there's nothing else that we can do about that other than try to squash them when we find them. But I think an enterprising attorney could make that argument. Now, before we kind of give way to the Gambling Act, I wanted to cover the other buckets. If you recall, gambling covers three things, gaming, betting, and lotteries. And we'll see here that when we're talking about betting, it really doesn't kind of apply to what we're talking about here. This act actually says betting means making or accepting a bet on the outcome of a race or competition or the likelihood of something occurring or whether or not something is true. So it means, hey, I'm going to bet that uh, Team Red is going to beat Team Blue, or I'm going to bet that this Overwatch player is going to get 10 kills, that kind of thing. That would be betting, but it doesn't really correlate to I'm going to buy a loot box and I'm going to have that loot box spit something back out at me. The closest thing that it kind of looks like under these rules, and I did look through the Gambling Act of 2005 in the UK a little bit to try to find something on the betting side that did look at least a little bit like this, is what they call prize competitions. And this says, for the purposes of Section 9-1, a person makes a bet if he participates in an arrangement in the course of which participants are required to guess any of the matters specified that we just discussed, and that's the, that's the sticking point, he is required to pay to participate. It doesn't say pay money. So if you pay virtual currency or if you pay one of your skins to get other skins, that kind of thing, it could, it could potentially apply. And if his guess is accurate or more accurate than other guesses, he's entitled to win a prize or enter into a class among whom one will receive a, a prize. And in this case, it defines prize again to say any money, articles, or services. You'll note here for this definition, it isn't limited to only money and money's worth. So if somebody wanted to try to come after Electronic Arts, we think that probably gaming is out, but maybe betting in prize competitions, if they could bring in a gotcha game or something that requires somebody to uh, potentially pick one of a series of loot boxes and get the prizes in that loot box or pick off of cards of a table, something that is uh, might appear in a, in a mobile game in particular, that might be enough to get across the finish line for potentially bringing up violations of betting as a prize competition because we don't see that same money's worth or money uh, or money equivalent language here. Finally, we have lotteries. And here's where I actually think the Gambling Commission might have more authority than it is at least presenting that it does in the article that we read earlier. This says, for the purposes of this act, an arrangement is a lottery, irrespective of how it is described. We don't care what they call it. If it satisfies one of the descriptions of lottery in subsections two and three. And we'll only read one of these because it's basically whether or not there are processes that intervene. But it basically means persons are required to pay in order to participate in the arrangement. In the course of the arrangement, one or more prizes are allocated to one or more members of a class, and the prizes are allocated by a process which relies wholly on chance. So when we're thinking about a lottery, usually we're thinking about a bunch of people entering into something, certain prizes are allocated to the people that enter into it, and then we move on from there. But could there be a one-person lottery? Could there be essentially you sitting in front of a loot box purchase saying, I'm going to purchase this. Uh, I've purchased it with virtual currency. I've been required to pay in order to participate in the arrangement. In the course of the arrangement, one or more prizes are allocated to one or more members of a class. Members of a class probably implies multiple people. But if we're just sitting here and we're trying to argue for it, maybe it's a one person class. Maybe I'm the only member. In the course of the arrangement, prizes are allocated to me when I buy that loot box. And the prizes are allocated wholly on chance. I think that's exactly how loot boxes work. So, so far, so good. The question is prizes. 
we get to the definition here. It says in this act, prize in relation to lotteries, not gaming or betting, includes any money. Okay, we don't have money. That's what the Gambling Commission says. Articles or services. Now, articles, again, I'm not a British lawyer. I look at that and I say, okay, you're talking about things. Do virtual things count as prizes? I would argue that they do. They further define it and they say whether or not described as a prize, the prize doesn't matter, and whether or not consisting wholly or partly of money paid or articles or services provided. So it could be only partly money, articles, or services, and by the members of the class among whom the prize is allocated, meaning it's still a lottery even if it's a funded lottery, even if the lottery is basically taking all the money of people that are putting money in and then distributing that money back out. It's still a lottery, even if, I think this is designed to say, even if the house doesn't take a cut, it's unclear exactly what that's aimed at. But the point of this analysis is to look at this and say, okay, gambling commission, what makes you think this isn't a lottery? Is it the absence of people that are members with a plural of a class? Is it impossible to have a one-person lottery? Is that what you're saying? I, it's clear that this wasn't intended to be aimed at FIFA loot cards and, and, and loot boxes. But even if it's not intended for that, can you not read it that way? I'd be interested in the answer to that question, in particular because if we go back to the article, you can remember what he actually said about this particular case, which is there are other examples of things that look and feel like gambling that legislation tells you are not such as some prize competitions, because they have free player, free entry. We saw when we were looking at prize competitions that they require you to pay something to get in. They are not gambling, but they are a lot like a lottery. And lotteries are in fact regulated under this act. We saw that lotteries are actually in the definition of what gambling is specifically. And once you are gambling, if you make gambling software that helps folks participate in a lottery, we see here participating in a lottery is gambling. Once you make software that facilitates that, if you do it without a license and without regulation under the UK, I would look at this and say, well, I think you might have a violation. You might have a problem. Of course, we're responding to an article that says you can't, that loot boxes and card packs aren't gambling. I think primarily because what they were analyzing it under is that gaming definition. And that gaming definition pretty clearly says money or money value. But the others, betting and lotteries, don't have that same definition for prize. So I'd be interested if they don't go back, they don't wind up looking at this more closely as the weeks and months roll on, because I think they might have come to a conclusion a little bit early. And that's completely agnostic to whether I think that's a good or bad decision. I think if you follow me on virtual legality, you know, for the most part, I think that if you're going to regulate these things, they deserve their own laws, not the enforcement of laws that were built for an entirely different purpose. And they deserve laws that are focused on eliminating the problems that you've identified, which I think primarily can be done with perhaps better transparency and certainly more credit card requirements at the point of sale for these kinds of gambling adjacent transactions. They further go on to describe uh, the loot box situation. They say in 2018, Belgium banned loot boxes on the grounds that they were in violation of its gambling legislation. Despite loot box prizes having no official transactional value, there are third-party websites which enable people to gamble the virtual content they acquire in games, such as character clothes or weapons on casino or slot machine type games, offering them the chance to generate real money. This is known as skin betting, meaning the skins that you earn in a game and not your own skin. It took me a while to figure out exactly why they were using that term. But I think this is part of the importance of the discussion that we're having right now and certainly part of what the UK is reacting to. We talked about it at the top of this video, but Valve, by allowing those transfers in Steam and essentially allowing certain kind of black market activities to occur where people could bet 
their existing virtual items to try to get other virtual items. And then on top of that, potentially allowing a gray market ability to sell those more expensive virtual items on a market exchange of some kind that I think the UK's theory of this is that Valve has essentially allowed all this to happen under its noses, despite what its terms and conditions say, because if there is a robust market in exchanging these goods on Counter-Strike through Steam and otherwise, Valve is making money. Valve is making money both from people engaging with Counter-Strike as well as whatever cut they're taking for Steam exchanges and Steam expenditures. And so there is potentially an incentive for Valve to say, okay, we don't allow this, but we're not going to try too terribly hard to stop it. And you see here the last quote that I wanted to pull out is them saying, we, we think Valve in the U.S. should do more. Where we have drawn their attention to British consumers, including children taking part in gambling, they have closed the skin betting sites down. But he added that it was not up to the Gambling Commission to monitor the internet on behalf of the video games industry. And I think that's a very interesting thing. I think from a public relations standpoint, he's right. I think the video game industry has to be careful about public relations right now in respect of loot boxes, in respect of these card packs and those kinds of things, because there are a lot of eyes on them. I'm not sure it's terribly honest to say it's not the job of the Gambling Commission to monitor the internet. To some extent, it is. Uh, and it's not Valve's job to try to prevent illegal activity when it has barred it in its own contracts and has shown in the past that it is willing to stop those activities when they happen. We see in 2016 that when the British government talked to them about skin betting the last time, they wound up saying, we're going to do everything in our power to use all available remedies to end skin betting. They immediately ordered 23 unofficial websites to cease operations. And then in 2016, as this article from the BBC continued, said that Valve had then asked 40 unofficial websites to end their betting operations. So one, 40 sites is a lot of sites. So this was happening pretty much all the time under Valve's nose. But two, when it was brought to the attention of Valve, truthfully, when government pressure started being applied on Valve, Valve said, hey, our terms and conditions say you can't do this. Please stop doing this. Uh, but it is going to be a constant tension. It is going to be something to watch from 2019 onward because folks that do allow transfers, folks that do allow these kind of black market sites to uh, proliferate under their noses, are creating a more systemic problem for the rest of the gaming industry. When we talk about FIFA cards, for the most part, you don't have this same kind of issue. Transfers are very hard. You have to essentially transfer full accounts, and that has its own issues. And when you do so, you risk bans from all sorts of folks. You risk bans from Electronic Arts or from Sony or from Xbox or whoever it is that you're trading the account uh, under. And so you have a lot more risk, and you have probably a lot more pressure on not doing that than you do with Valve which has this kind of open setup to allow transfers and apparently didn't do much of anything before 2016. Uh, and again, this issue is popping up primarily because of Belgium, also because of some senators in the United States seeking to have Federal Trade Commission actions brought against these companies. I promised you that we would take a look at how Electronic Arts describes these just to kind of have it in the back pocket so that we understand what we're looking at and why the FTC and the UK Gambling Commission think that there might be an issue with regulating these particular folks. And we see right in the middle of our screens that entitlements are rights that EA license to you, licenses to you to access or use the online or offline elements of EA services. Examples of entitlements include access to a bunch of stuff, but what we're interested in is virtual assets. It says further that EA virtual currency, the premium currency that you can use to change into entitlements, has no monetary value and has no value outside of our products and services. 
Once you redeem EA virtual currency for an entitlement, which is again, virtual assets, that entitlement is not returnable, exchangeable, or refundable. We won't take it back. You can't do anything else with it. There's no monetary value associated with anything here, any of this stuff. You can't move licenses. You can't do any of those kinds of things. Uh, And so EA is allowed to sit back and say, look, we understand there's an inherent difference between a diamond player and a bronze player or a five star and a one star or a half star. But as far as the law is concerned, these are digital ones and zeros. They have no monetary value. They're not exchangeable for anything. There's no secondary market that is permitted under our contracts. And so we don't have to do anything about it. This isn't gambling under your laws. And to some extent, I think the gaming industry is correct. To some extent, I think if you want to regulate this activity, and I think well-meaning people do, and I think there are also bad-meaning people that do, either for power or for press releases like Senator Hawley, but regardless of your reasoning behind wanting to do it, the current legislation, the current statutes on the books of basically everywhere have not been built to specifically target this issue. And my opinion on these things is always the same. If you want to target this issue, go through the difficult process of negotiating new statutory language, have it signed by the governor or the president or the prime minister or whoever's appropriate for your jurisdiction, and get something on the books that is actually designed to prevent the problems that you've identified. And so I feel the same way about the UK. I think it's a generally a good reading of certainly the, gam- uh, the gaming portion of their gambling act that FIFA and loot boxes should not be presently covered by their law. I do have that question, as I mentioned earlier in this video, about whether or not you couldn't characterize loot boxes as lotteries. And certainly even the gambling commissioner uh, seems to suggest that lotteries are something that potentially they could be named as. So it might be a little bit too early to say that the UK is not interested in regulating these things at all. But at least for now, the headline is that FIFA packs and loot boxes are not gambling in the UK. They can't be regulated under the present law. And if the MPs, if the legislature in the United Kingdom wants to do something about it, they will have to draft new legislation. They will have to empower the Gambling Commission in a new way. And it will certainly be interesting to see if they wind up doing that, uh, just as it has been interesting to see what happened in Belgium, what's happening with the FTC this fall, what's happening with Senator Hawley and his continuing pushes to have new and additional regulation of the internet in general, and certainly video games and loot boxes specifically. That's virtual legality today. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like, please subscribe to the channel. We are covering these kinds of things all the time. We just recently covered the fact that Nintendo is getting a class action suit uh, complaint placed upon it for its Joy-Con drift issues. We talked about the face app terms and conditions, which were all over the news. We talked about Ubisoft essentially crowdsourcing a lot of its asset creation through Joseph Gordon-Levitt's hit record. We talk about these kinds of things, the business and law of information technology, software, and video games all the time. And on top of that, we do things like Postmortems of the Lion King, which you can see in the bottom left corner there, which are discussions about things that I've enjoyed and just basically talking about what worked and didn't work in various pieces of pop culture with you in the comments to these videos and elsewise on my social media at Hoglaw or, or anywhere else. So if you like this, like, subscribe. Otherwise, thank you so much for watching it if you watched on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening to it if you listened to it on a podcast. If you did listen to it on a podcast, please review it on that podcast service you listened to it on. I really appreciate it. That helps it get it out and about. Otherwise, please share it around for anybody else you might think would be interested in this topic or in this video or podcast. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality.